Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, uh, good morning, River Valley, and it is so great to have you joining online, and we are, uh, man, we're in crazy days, and we get to use the power of technology to be able to meet together uh, from wherever you are at. Um, You know that we had planned for this weekend to have my dad, uh, Lanny, with us this weekend um, to be able to share and wrap up our our rhythm series. Obviously, we got to change out the format of what that's like, but... We were able to, through the power of technology, have dad join us today from all the way from Vancouver, Washington. Good morning, dad. Thanks for being here. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we're going to jump in. I wanted to just do a couple of, of fun questions um, just so people could kind of get to know you a little bit um, and then have you jump in with the content sure. um, today. River Valley, just so you guys know, for everyone watching online, I'm going to be quiet for most of it, which is what you want so that you can hear him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but I want to start with just a couple introductory uh, questions. The first off is, um, what is your eschatology? What is your belief on the end times? Just in a nutshell, one sentence. Uh, the world ended yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> we were all left behind, so Tim LaHaye was right. Oh, no. Oh, this is not good. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, first car. What first your, car? Yeah, your first car. Tell us about it your was a, a 1968 BMW 2002 sports sedan. Yes, that was not yeah. my first car. That, it's a great first car. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had that as a first car. That'd be awesome. Um, uh, what is your favorite hobby or pastime currently? Like if you could do anything in the world right now, what would you do? Uh, it'd probably be a, uh, split between two things. I like driving a lot, so I enjoy road trips and that's one of the things that mom and I will do. We'll just take a nice day and head for the hills and just see things that we haven't, you know, been able to see before or whatever. But when I need to unwind, I like to work with my hands. And so I'll go out to the wood shop and I'll build something or work on something outside I work so much with my mind during the rest of the week that it's nice to do something physical and just to kind of give some energy off and just change the venue of the way I'm thinking and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was brought up that way on a farm and so I still carry that over today. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, And your favorite child? First thing that pops in your head, go. <laughs> wow. oh, the first thing that pops in my mind, uh, the one that was going, that's going to let us live with them when we get older. And that's it. <laughs> Easy. I can take care of that. I can take care of that. I win. I win. <laughs> that's a great there you answer. Go. Come that's on. a great answer. Um, and then uh, just give us in the nutshell, I know it's a long story, but um, just in a nutshell, what kind of led to and, and maybe who and the journey that led to you doing what you're doing? Obviously, been teaching for 42 years now at Portland Bible, um, te- uh, teaching theology and biblical interpretation. What led to that, and what were some of the things that really made you fall in love with what you're doing and that what you've made a career of? It was probably the contribution of one individual. Now, his name is Kevin Connor. Kevin was the dean of the college. Portland Bible College. I came to PBC as just a diversion. I had been in pre-med and I came over just to get out of that intense study and just to clear my head a little bit as to where I was going to go in life and everything. And it was at that time that I, I met Kevin and I'd never thought about teaching. I'd never thought about a ministry career, but he was one of those teachers that captivated my imagination. And he pulled me into the whole love for learning like I'd never had before. And eventually, in sitting through classes with him and studying the Bible, I just discovered how much I really enjoyed it. And it was kind of a a gradual thing from that point on. And when the opportunity came after graduating from Bible college, uh, the opportunity to start teaching it was just a natural transition into what I did. And 
I've never left. Mm -hmm. uh, people ask me, do you ever regret it, you know, not going back into the medical trade? And I said, no, I don't. I, I touch about 15 nations every day. I touch people from all over the world. I work with young people who have a lot of energy, and I appreciate that. Uh, they're squirrely, they're fun, uh, they're eager to learn and grow. And there's just something about that particular college-age generation that's just captured both Joanne and I, and we love doing it. So that's why we're still here. That's awesome. Super cool. Super cool. Yeah, it's amazing to think of the legacy even of uh, students and people from around the world, you know, yeah. that are that are affected and doing what they're what they're doing because of you guys. So that's awesome. That's super cool. Well, um, we're going to jump into the content today. Um, you know, obviously, you and I have chatted, um, but we're finishing out our uh, rhythm series. And, uh, and really, we, we started it talking about pace, and then we talked about, Pastor Tim shared about calendar and kind of managing life, and then last weekend was um, just about rest and the idea of what real rest actually means um, and how we sometimes get it wrong, but what is that principle of rest in our life? And uh, we're finishing out the series this weekend, um, taking a little bit more of a macro approach to everything, right? So we've done a little bit more of the specifics, but now we're going to back up a little bit and we're going to talk about seasons. And I know that you've written the book um, on seasons. And so you've done a lot of research and, and thoughts around this, but I thought it'd be really cool to have a conversation around um, seasons and how to identify the season we're in, how life has all these different seasons um, and what that looks like and how to, how to really live within each one of those seasons. So, um, maybe as we jump in, just, just start with like the importance of seasons and how we can view that in our lives. Um, and then obviously biblical, you'll pull in all that kind of stuff as well, but, um, just kind of the overarching, what's, what's the thought, what should we think, what we should, what should we be thinking about with seasons? Seasons is just a topic that, um, communicates to us a very important point, and that is that there are appointed periods of time throughout an extent or a longer period of time, and that in those appointed time periods, there are specific things that need to be accomplished and done. That's the reason for that. Usually a period is marked by a certain characteristic trait. There's a beginning and there's an end of that, and within that, period of time, certain things are accomplished, certain things are done, and then there'll be a transition to another segment of time when the stage will set, the context will change, and people have to learn to relate to something different. They have to learn to do life maybe a little different because they find themselves in uh, uh, a situation, living, financial, whatever, that was different than what they had done previously. And so these allotted periods of time are very important. They're oftentimes called turning points. They're transitions because they represent the fact that one season and how things were done and how long they were done and why they were done will transition into a whole new set of priorities as time goes on. And recognizing that is important because people have different personalities and some people's personalities are that they don't like anything to change. They're traditionalists and so they get in a mold and they get very uncomfortable when anything actually deviates from that mold. But there's one thing about life that we have been totally convinced of over the millennia, and that is that life is characterized by change. Uh, we see it in the life of every individual. We're born babies, and then we grow and grow into maturation. We are not born full adults, and every woman says, amen. You know? <laughs> We're born babies, and, and we grow in light of that. And it's not just a physical thing. We grow emotionally, we grow socially, we grow intellectually, and so forth. So we need to understand those seasons in order to understand the progress and the process that makes us who we are, that made the universe the way it was, and so forth. Um, we see seasons from the very beginning. You go clear back to Genesis 1. And when God created on the fourth day the sun, moon, and stars, he declares their purpose, and that is for times and for seasons. God built in a clock into our universe, and that clock is how we judge time. It's how we determine where we are at in the course of movement of different bodies next to each other. Our calendar is solar. Uh, we live by the cycles of the moon and everything else, and that is this huge clock 
that he put in place, and it was for that for that very reason. And it's a reason that that wasn't lost. I mean, at the end of the flood, when you get into the closing verses of uh, Genesis chapter eight, God makes a promise. He said, "As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and so will remain." And so that tells us, even though he had to judge the world, yet when he rebirthed the world after Noah, he brought seasons back into play too, because it's part of the life that uh, he would meant us to have at that point. Now, I've got on the back of the board here something, and I think it's it's crucial for us to understand something about seasons, and it's it's called perspective of time. And I've got three little illustrations here. The top one up here is just an illustration of the way that most people in a Western culture look at time, and that is it's linear. It has a starting point, it has a destination, and then it just continues to go on in one direction like that. And that's the way we think. We think linearly like that and so forth. Uh, we get a lot of that from our, our Greek heritage. But when we compare that to other places in the world, especially the Eastern countries, their idea of time is circular or cyclical. They believe that life has a cycle that just keeps going around in a birth, death, rebirth cycle. We call that karma. And in it now, it never really goes anywhere. It just keeps repeating. And you can affected by the goodness of your life and everything else. The Hebrew concept, though, of time is very different. It's a combination, actually, of both of those. And so what you see in the bottom here, what we call a helical coil, and that is that the Hebrews believe that time now has a, it has a starting point. Their scripture starts in the beginning. That's the starting point God created. But as life progresses, even though it goes in a linear fashion, incorporated into the linear is also a cyclical. And so that even though we are going in a direction towards a destiny that is out here, achieving that destiny will have repeated cycles in it. And these repeated cycles are the seasons that we look at. And some people say, well, what's the difference between this and this? Well, this one, as you go around and you die and you're born, you usually start exactly the same place you did before and you never make any progress. But with a helical coil, when you leave a place like this and you continue to go through life, once you come around to that same place again, you have moved. Here, you're just right back at your same starting point. And so even though there may be things that repeat in your life, when you experience it again here, you're not the same person that you were here. You've grown, you've matured, and so forth. And God incorporated a lot of that into the, the Old Testament and just the way that people understood life. Now, let me give you some examples from the Bible because this business of seasons is a, is a very unique topic that goes through. And God wanted to make sure that his people remembered it. He put representations of this seasonal concept all through their normal living schedule to the point that they couldn't get away from it. They couldn't walk away. It was always there. There was a constant reminder. Uh, think of it this way. In the course of a day, one 24-hour day, there are actually two seasons. One is light and one is dark. And that keeps going on. And he named both of those. And they learned to relate to both of those. There were things that were accomplished in both of those. And so that when the sun began to set and the darkness period came, that was the beginning of their new day. And they would come through now. They would go through, and each day then would be viewed as a, a very simple little unit in there. But you put a few of these days together, and you create a week. And within a Jewish week, then, you would have six days that relatively were the same, but one day was set apart. And that marked a season, a seven-day season, that was marked by labor and by rest, the very things that you guys were talking about, you know, a time of rest. And the purpose for that time of rest then was to get away from the normal work so that they could remember the things that God had done for them. They could talk to each other and remind them. And in God's economy then, he figured this. You need to be reminded of this every week. And he instituted that. Because if you go too many days and you don't remember all that I've done for you and that I finished my work and you get so busy with other things, eventually, what I've done for you becomes very dim in relationship to all that you're doing, and you become very self-centered. 
So in the economy of God, he figured that once every seven days, we need to remind ourselves of all that God has done, all that he has accomplished in our life. And that's his schedule. That's a season. Now, he said in a, a monthly reminder, uh, the Jewish calendar was lunar, and so it would last a complete cycle, the 28-day, 7-hour, 43-minute cycle of the moon. So the first day would be when the first sliver of the moon would be up here. And by law, in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice on that day. That was a requirement under the law. It was called the new moon. And they had a special offering that they gave every new moon because that marked the beginning of the next 29-day cycle. And to their thinking, what that meant is this. God is the God of new beginnings. We have just gone through the last month and all that that had. But now marks the beginning of a new phase, and we honor God because God can start things over. He can reboot that. Then you go throughout the year, and you go from the monthly reminder to the seasonal reminder. We go through our four seasons of the year. In our temperate climates like we have, uh, those four seasons are very, very different and very significant. Uh, In the book that you mentioned that I wrote, when you grow up in an agricultural world like, like the Old Testament, which... In that agrarian society, they relied upon now nature. They relied upon the cycle of weather, the rains, the drought, and everything else to produce the food that they needed. And so embedded now in that agricultural season were these special holidays that they had corresponding to different harvests, the grain harvest, the vegetable harvest, the fruit harvest, and so forth. And on these special days, God said, on this day, every year, I want you to have a special celebration. Uh, The first one is in the 14th day of the first month. He calls it Passover. Then 50 days later in the third month, he says Pentecost. And then the seventh month, he says Tabernacles. And through the course of a year, I put several reminders, and I want you to have festivals in there, so that you stop from what you're doing and you think and say, what does God want me to remember on this day? What is it about my relationship with him do I need to stop with? So you'll do that. You'll then go... You keep getting bigger in these seasons, like then every seven years, they would take a complete Sabbath year, a whole year off so that they could, every 50 years, they would just completely reboot society. All debts would be given off, and every generation had a reboot in there. And that was a season for them to start every generation with clean slates. Nobody was a slave. All inheritance had been restored. And these are these repeated cycles that we see as we go through every single year. It would be important then for folks in the church when they go back and they read the Old Testament, notice how many times when God gives instruction about one of these festivals, he says, and remember what this is about. If you celebrate that day and you go through the festival, but you don't take the time to remember what it's pointing to, then you've missed the point of it. It's meant to be a a reminder built into your schedule to let you know these seasons are important and crucial in your life. And so this is is just the patterns that we see through the Bible there. Um, Different biblical authors will use the seasons of an individual's life uh, to represent the process of growth and maturation. Uh, John uses uh, a great illustration uh, in the book of 1 John. He writes and he repeats this uh, sequence twice, but he says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you're strong and you've overcome the evil one. And what John does there, very important, is he takes three main periods out of an individual's life. Their childhood experience, their adolescent, early adult period, and their adult period of their life. And he goes through and he says, in each of these seasons, your relationship with God changes just a little bit. In the childhood season, what you know is that God loves you and he forgives your sin. And that's where you're at. And it's very much like a childhood relation we have with our parents. That's where we learn to trust them. That's where we learn to know that they love us. And that when we do wrong, they forgive us. We take care of it and we move on. And so in the natural as well as the spiritual, there's a childhood phase that's there. But there comes a a time in all of our lives where we have to grow up a little, and we're going to be allowed to face some challenges uh, that maybe are going to stretch us quite a bit. 
and we're going to have to face the obstacles that are going to be there the rest of our life. But it's, it's there. We have our first initial encounters with them. And it's that transitional between child and adult. It's where we have to face some adult decisions, but yet we're still a child and we're still protected by our parents. So we're not left all by ourselves and we can still learn to trust, but we can learn to venture out. And that's what that, that place is. We have our academic strength, our intellectual strength, our physical strength, and we have to learn to use that strength the right way. And then as you get in the adult phase and it says you've known him, uh, that adult phase of the father's then is characteristic of being able to look back at the longevity and the faithfulness of God and pass that kind of wisdom on to other people. And so there's an important uh, you know, purpose for each of these phases in our life, and that's what John's trying to get at in there that you can grow in God in every one of those. And, um, if Joanne was here, my wife, she has, she was a first grade teacher for 10 years and she'll tell you the importance of each of these phases. And I think as a church and as believers, we can take this template of our, our seasons of our life and our growing in our life. And I could, I'll just make a diagram on the board. Go through. If we look at a, an individual's life and we look at it from the time that they're born to the time that they die, there's going to be seasons in that life. You're going to have your toddler season over here. You're going to have your elementary school. You're going to have your adolescent. You're going to have your adult, young and mature, and then you're going to have your older season. In each of these seasons of life now, we go through changes uh, intellectually, physically. We go through a huge amount of them back here from the moment we're born and we get to the place where we figure out that these funny things are actually part of us. They're attached to us, you know, and, and we can do things with them, you know, and so forth. And, and we learn now how to, to focus those skills and we learn some basic communication and mobility skills. Here, the next phase, though, is where we take what we learn here and we implement it into learning life skills, knowledge, reading, and so forth, because these skills then are going to switch over. And when we get to be now an adolescent here, we not only need to have some basic skills of information gathering, but now we're going to learn skills like decision-making and where we spend our time and everything. And we're going to start making some adult decisions, but here we have to learn how to control our youthful desires so that when we are adults, we can control those things and we're not self-destruct and self-consuming ourselves. The success of each season is preparatory to the next one. And so you'll see that. And that's why I mentioned Joanne a little bit ago. She taught first grade. So she's getting all these six-year-olds that are coming into first grade. And she would tell me that after 10 years of teaching, she would look at her class of students and she could tell a lot about the process that they had grown up in the first one. And if they come from a rough home or they hadn't developed, you know, in, in different ways, eye-hand coordination and so forth, then their starting this phase was very difficult. And it would delay now skills like reading and math and things like that because success here is preparatory to this. It's essential for it. And what we learn here is then essential for the next one. And if I fail in a stage or a season of life, it jeopardizes the next season that comes up in life. And you can see this even spiritually uh, in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 5 and, and verses 11 and 12. The author of Hebrews is writing to his audience and he says this, By this time, by now, you ought to be able to teach others the things of God, but you still need somebody to teach you. And he goes back and describes the fact that even though they have been in one stage for a period of time, they haven't learned what was essential in that period that will enable them to move ahead. Mm -hmm. They're still immature, and that's what he calls them. He says, your babies, you need milk and not, and not uh, complex foods and so forth. And so when you start that very difficult chapter in Hebrews chapter 6, he says this. Now, let's not go back and lay again the foundations. Let's move on. Let's move on to maturity and let's have in our life those things necessary to move because if we stay here, we're going to start losing ground and we're not going to make any process and the progress rather. And the progress now is the key to this. Let's go on to these things. Let's move ahead. Let's hold fast our confession and so forth. 
So the biblical writers are aware of the fact that wherever we're at in our life, as individuals, even as families, and as a church, we need to be mindful of the season that we're in. We need to be successful in the season we're in because what's coming is going to require what we learn in this phase in order to be successful up there. Does that help? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think with that, my, my question would be, so from a, from a natural aspect, I think it's really easy to see like the different seasons that you've set up, right? Because there, there's age demographics, there's characteristics of each one of these seasons, right? You, you, you poop your pants and then you learn not to poop your pants. Like there's, there's things there, um, hopefully. And, um, but, but I think from a spiritual standpoint though, what would be some of the things, the characteristics of each of, of the seasons of spiritual development, or maybe more importantly, cause I know those vary, how, how can we, um, identify the season we're in? Because I think everybody's in a little bit of a different season. And then how do we identify what are the things that we need to have active or the things that we need to be doing in our life to set us up for and to, to get us ready for the next season so that, in whatever season we're in, we're actually learning and growing from that season to prepare us for the next. Does that make sense? It does. It's a really good question. I think that you'll see in the life of any Christian, once they come to accept Jesus Christ uh, as their Savior, there is this whole mechanism that starts moving inside of them, and that mechanism is fired up by the, the Holy Spirit. Because one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit and we see this in 2 Corinthians 3.18, is to take us from glory to glory into the full measure and stature of the Son of God that we can grow up. And so he is going to be the force in our life now that's going to keep pushing us and keep us moving in that, in that direction. And in each of those phases then, it's going to be important that we understand where am I at right now and what does God say about this stage in my life what does he say about his expectations for this stage in my life and so forth? And so we could actually go back to our, our chart here. For instance, back here, when you go back a newborn child, the first things that they have to learn is they have to learn their body. They have to learn how to focus their eyes. They have to learn to identify sound patterns. Uh, it's just noise to them until they come out. And then after a while, they identify certain sound patterns as the voice of their mother and the voice of their father. And sound patterns communicate ideas in words and so forth. Uh, when they touch certain things, uh, they may feel things, but they don't have the ability to interpret that touch, what that actually means. Is that a good touch? Is that hot? Should I get away from it? Is that cold? Whatever. And I think that in our early Christian life, what God is doing is he's developing our Christian senses, our ability to actually see, to see God in things, to see God in an activity that's going on, to see God in the lives of other people, to hear the voice of God. When we're in a meeting, can we actually feel his presence or is the presence something totally void? We have to develop, just like we develop our natural senses, we have to learn to develop our spiritual senses, and this will come through repetition. Just as a little baby does the same things over and over again, and it's in the repetition that he learns to decipher all that stimulus that's coming his way. And for brand new Christians, one of the earliest things that we can do in their life is helping them to get in to patterns of life where they're repeatedly exposed to the presence of the Lord, the power of his word, seeing God, being around mature saints so that those saints can say, do you see what's going on here? And pointing things out so that they can learn to, this is called discipleship. Mm -hmm. uh, we call spiritual formation. You know, we, we oftentimes look at spiritual formation as just our duties, all the things we have to do. I got to read my Bible. I got to meditate. And I got to pray. But it's those spiritual disciplines that actually develop our senses we begin to hear the voice of God for ourselves. We don't have to have somebody else tell it to us. And so it's really important to get somebody into a discipling program because then as they develop their own skills, then when they go back to the Bible themselves, the Holy Spirit starts teaching them when they see things, this is what that means. They become familiar with themes that are through the Bible and they see them over and over again, and the patterns begin to form in the Word of God. It's not just a bunch of disjointed stories, but it begins to 
develop now and an overview. And so I think it's important for people to know how long have I been with Jesus? And depending on how long I've been with Jesus, what are the things that I should be working on in my life? Now, eventually, we get out of that early discipling mode and we get to a place where we can start learning how to do simple tasks and, and chores and we can start to help around the house. And that's why we worked with you guys teaching in chores. The chores are simply things you're going to be doing later. It's just learning how to do them when you're, you know, you're younger and so forth, rather than just having all this free time just to do what I want to do. There was a big study at a Princeton University a couple of years ago, and they were doing studies on child raising and so forth. And here Princeton, totally secular, came up with the idea that parents should teach their children chores around the house because it teaches them responsibility, it teaches them follow through, it teaches them <laughs> how to see a whole project from beginning to end. And all, every parent in the world said, we've been trying to do that for years. If I may to Princeton to come up with this. <laughs> but see, we, we, once we get our, our abilities, then we have to begin to start applying those abilities to something that's practical. And that's why you take somebody through an early discipling program as a Christian. But eventually you want to get them plugged into simple jobs around the church, things that are appropriate for their age level. You're not going to take a Christian that's only known the Lord for six months and make him a lead pastor. You're not going to do that. He needs to maturity. He needs those things. But boy, he can sure learn to implement what he's already got at this point. And as time goes on, then further development, giftings, and skills will begin to come in. And then people will begin to realize later on, I really feel God wants me to do this. I may need some additional training to help me do this more. And that's where we begin to specialize and get up here. But it is a process, and a lot of us, we like to jump the process, and we like to get ahead too fast, and others are very comfortable just back, being fed back here, you know, rather than pushing them a little bit, and so that they take a little bit of initiative in their life. But we need to know where we're at spiritually, and for some of us, God needs to give us a little kick in the, in the pants to get us moving, because we've got too cozy back there. And for others, God's just going to say, why don't you rest for a while? Learn some things here. I don't want you to go too fast where you could fragment. There may be things up here that you're going to be required to do that you haven't fully got in place yet. So let's go along, maybe work on relationships and work on, you know, your own personal uh, intimate time with me right now. Then we'll talk about your social interaction, what you're going to contribute to the church. But there's definitely a process. Yeah. And I thought, I think one thing that was, you know, that I picked up on what you were saying is uh, talking about spiritual disciplines and discipleship and stuff. I think uh, a lot of times there can be a misconception of, I'm just like what you said, I'm doing this because I'm doing this. Like, this is the thing to do. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. And especially in the earlier seasons of life, I think of spiritual life, I think it's really important to remember that um, all of it is for something. You know, one of, one of the things I think that I talk to, to people sometimes is a discouragement with saying, well, I'm still trying to get the foundational stuff and that's okay. Like it's okay to be getting that as long as there's a progression in life and knowing that developing the disciplines will set you up um, down the road. I, I think that that's a really important thing for people to remember, especially if they're earlier in their walk with God, like that's okay. It is okay to be practicing. And if sometimes it feels a little mechanical, that's okay because it's setting the tone for later as you progress in your walk with Christ down in, in later, later seasons. The other, the other thing I was just going to throw out real quick that um, I picked up from what you were saying was the fact that um, every season is important and every season is vital and you can't, you can't skip any of the seasons and no season is less important. I think it's really important to know that, you know, cause if someone, if someone in, in even church, if you're, you know, you're watching online, there's some of you who, and there's certain seasons where maybe the season you're in is the toddler or the elementary season. And so you're developing out some of these very rudimentary things in your life. Don't discount the season you're in because it's going to set you up for later. You have to have all of these seasons. Each of us have to have all of these seasons. And it's not like overnight, we're going to become the adult or, or a spiritual adult in the faith in that season. But we have to understand each season is so important and they all build on each other um, and, and are necessary. And so I think just remembering that too, you know, of, of how important it is to recognize 
um, the importance of each one of the seasons and how they, they it is. It's also important to realize that there are going to be some sub-seasons in these categories too. And that is, we can get to an adult season in our life and think, okay, now I should be free and go on and be able to do these things. And yet we find ourselves getting married and having little children. And parents of little children find that they are tied into that process as a season within their adulthood. It won't last forever. And so some moms, they find now I've got a child. I don't have all the free time to do this or volunteer or whatever. It's a season within the season. The same as with older people that are up here, you know, they'll find it. And so we have to be careful that we're sensitive, not only to that we're progressing, but also to this. I mean, we, you were with us, Jason, when we were out taking care of dad. And we found that even though we were adults and working and had our jobs, we found that there was a season where we had to take care of our parents. That's a season within a season. Or we're adults raising our children. And it's not a, a sign of condemnation. Sometimes people compare each other and says, well, that person just gives all this time to the church and does, and I can't, I'm raising three kids. That is an important season. Right. Because as an adult, I'm raising them to make sure they get a good start. And when their childhood is over, then I can move on to some other things in my life too. There's no condemnation in that. We just have to be very sensitive. Where am I at? What do you want for me to do right now, God, in this season of my life? No, that's really good. Okay, so so maybe talk for a second about, because that kind of dovetails into another thought, which is talking about subsets of seasons. How do you navigate seasons with within seasons? Like, let's just take, you know, what, any one of those seasons that are hard or seasons where we're going through um, some really challenging things in life within those seasons, right? So loss of a job, loss of a family member, um, even what we're going in right now. So in the middle of the world, that's kind of all over the place. Um, what, what are some of the things that we need to identify and keep um, in mind? Or what are some of the important things that we need to have in our mind as we're walking through each one of those seasons, right? So if I'm in a, if I'm in a good season or a good sub-season, um, what are some of the things I need to have? And if I'm in a really bad or challenging sub-season, what are those things that I need to keep in my mind and in my spirit um, as I'm walking through it? Because there's no stopping. It's not like the season pauses, you know. What are some of those things? I, I can think of two right off bat, and that is this. And, and let's use our little timeline again. If I find myself up in life and my seasons change, and the, the characteristic of my season, maybe I go into a difficult time like a loss of a job or maybe an injury on the job, and something like that. One of the first things I need to do is never forget and to go back and always be remindful of now the path that the Lord has led me this far and to remind myself of the goodness of God. That's good. uh, the psalmist would do this periodically, uh, that he would take time and he would say, in the night season, I reflected your past works. Mm -hmm. And I would think over that because if I find myself in a tough situation here in my life, it's real easy to get myopic on my situation and lose sight of all the other goodness of the Lord that's gone before. And so we have to purposely rehearse those things in our mind so that we see, I haven't been alone. There has been progress in my life and so forth. And along with that, when I get into a particular season in my life, I have to realize that as difficult as it may be, life is not just reduced down to what I am presently experiencing. There is something that's going to be there tomorrow. There is a reason to keep pushing for that which is good and that which is ideal. Uh, we become people of the moment. And as people of the moment, we get very myopic about that. But there are times that we have to deliberately back off. And we have to back off. And you'll see the psalmist will do this at times. I mean, he does it like in Psalms 8. He'll look at his current situation. He's facing some challenges. He's got an enemy. He's got an adversary that's just ridiculing him and everything else. But what he does is he backs off and he looks at the universe. And he says, when I look at the heavens, the work of your hand, when I look at the big picture, I realize my little situation does not represent all of life. 
It's the uncomfortable little thing I'm walking through, but there is so much more to life. And this is exactly what, what Paul had to do. He found himself jail. He found himself shipwrecked. He found himself getting mugged and bit yeah. by snakes. You know, he was just all this. But Paul always knew this. My citizenship is in heaven. This right. is not all there is to life. Right. And so even if this doesn't go well, I know that reserved for me up there is right. an inheritance and a reward that cannot be taken away. Nobody can rip it off and so forth. And that is something I hang on to. Yeah. And I, I've got to keep a big picture. My little 70 years here on this planet cannot you know, become more important than the whole big picture of God and what he's going to accomplish. Right. And that's why when we look at the book of Revelation, we see in there very difficult days, but we see a group of people who have a hope that Jesus is coming back. And it's that future hope that lets them hang on, even if they don't make it physically. And even if some of them die as martyrs and so they never lose their hope. They never right. lose their vision. They hold that clear until the end. And that is their stabilizing factor. Whereas the author of Hebrews puts it, that's the anchor to our soul. It's what we hang on to when everything else is fluctuating. That's the absolute that I've got. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good thing. I think somebody, probably multiple people watching today, you need to hear that. There's somebody watching today, you need to hear that. The anchor of your soul, the anchor of your life is in what's to come. This is a season. It's going to pass. This is not going to be the way it is for forever. And our hope is in our assurance of heaven, of what's to come. And, and so you need to hear that today. There, there, there is hope. And anchor your soul, anchor your spirit in the right place. Anchor it where, where it won't get destroyed or thrown off by what's going on. Like anchor yourself, do everything you can to anchor yourself. And, um, and it's kind of interesting. I'll just throw this out to everybody watching because one of the things that's becoming really interesting in the days that we live in is for some people, an anchor is the fact that you go on Sunday to church and that's become your anchor. Like, like that's what I hold on to. Well, suddenly that doesn't exist anymore. So now where's the anchor? Where, where's the anchor of your spirit? And so what I think God is doing in this season that he's in is he's causing you to really look at your life and look at your spiritual life and say, where is my anchor? Where is my anchor at? Is my anchor in the current situation and what's going on? Or is it in the word of God and the promises of God about what's to come and the fact that this too shall pass but my hope is in something that's much greater to come. So there's people watching that need to hear that today and just claim that in your spirit. Um, Dad, we're, we're getting to the end uh, of our time here today, I know, but I, I, want, I wanted to, to have you speak into this. Obviously, these are crazy days for um, our church, um, the Big C Church, right? So the church as a whole, right? And it's in a crazy new season, and what would you say from, from, you know, history, looking through uh, the history of the church through the Bible and also modern history of the church and just your own spirit and what you feel God's saying, what would you encourage the church in this season to grab a hold of the season, to not lose what God wants to do in this season, um, but to maximize uh, where God has us in, in this time and season? What would you say to the church um, as a whole right now? When we look at uncertain times and we have to try to evaluate them and make decisions on what we're going to do with them, we have things that we can work with because they're the unchangeable truths of God. And then we have also the things that are completely out of our control. And so as we look into the future, there's certain things that we don't know and we never will know. And Jesus told us this and Paul told us this, the day and the hour you don't know. Don't even try to look for it. And so everybody that tries to create dates, you know, for everything, that's not the purpose. The purpose for God talking to us is just to let us know I'm in control. And uh, as we look back in Daniel, you look at his situation when he was carried away into Babylon. He was kidnapped, taken as a POW into a foreign country. Life as he knew it appeared to come to a screeching halt at that point. But the Lord began to communicate things to Daniel through interpreting the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and so forth. And he let him know this, that the times and the seasons of nations and of people are in the hand of God. Yeah. There is somebody in heaven that now 
controls these things. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn this lesson. There is one in heaven who controls everything on earth, and nobody can stop his hand. Nobody can dictate to him what he's going to do. And I think that we really need to find out, okay, what are the things I can know? What are the things that God wants me to do? And then what are the things separate from those that I can't understand? And I just have to let him, you know, be in charge of and do what he's going to do. As servants of God, we know what he's called us to do. And it's not to predict the future and it's not to control the future. Uh, our job is to be his witness, to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, to share his kingdom and so forth. And it's like in the parables of Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25, uh, as he talks in the, these parables, they're all about the end times. And he gives about five different parables in here and so forth. And very simply, he says this, that when the master leaves now his home, he leaves his servants in charge, he tells them exactly what he wants them to do. And what he wants them to do is take care of the property, take care of the other servants. That's your job. And so when he leaves, it doesn't matter how long he's gone. We know what we're supposed to be doing. And then it says this, blessed is the servant that when his master returns, find him doing what he knows he's supposed to be doing. That's good. And so in the course of our spiritual life, we have to say, what are the things God has told me I know for sure I need to do? And what are the things that are outside my realm, you know, that are outside my control? And don't consume myself with those, but let's focus on what I do know I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to nurture this life. I'm supposed to honor God in what I'm doing. I'm supposed to be his ambassador in the world. I'm supposed to grow spiritually and so forth. These are the things that I know for sure. And if I continue to do those things, then one day he's going to come back. And what he's going to say is, well done, good and faithful, because you did what I asked you to do. Not well done because you predicted the date that I was going to return. <laughs> <laughs> and we know exactly what we've been told. Jesus says this, occupy until I come. Occupy means do what you know you're supposed to be doing until I come back. And leave that to me. That's my choice. Even Jesus said it. I don't know the day and the hour. No angel knows the day and the hour. Only the Father knows the day and the hour. So quit trying to figure it out. Right. Figure out what I have told you. This is what I expect of you being my servants and everything else. These are the things you focus on at this point. Wow, that's and as your, as your church, River Valley, you're meant to be a light in that community. You're meant to be a beacon of stability. You're meant to be a community of faith that when the world unravels, they can come and find people that still sing songs. And how can you sing these praise songs? Well, it's because our hope is not in a, a vaccine. Our hope is not in the policies of government. Our, our hope is in God, knowing that some of us may die, some of us may get sick and so forth, but that doesn't take away from the big plan. That's only this little chapter that we're in right now. So we have to keep those eternal perspective in the moment. We have to keep those things distinct from each other. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just so clear in church watching online. It's so clear um, what we're, what we're called to do. God's made it really clear. And none of that has changed with coronavirus. You know, like God hasn't changed his plan for the church because of all that. And so we get to live in that and be light and be faith filled. Like, like dad is saying, and, and, and be ready to have an answer for people about the hope that we have inside of us. Um, but in order for us to be ready to have an answer for the hope that's inside of us, we need to have hope inside of us. That's the, that's the first key. And so um, you, you, we just have to go after that. You know, where are we anchoring our hope? It's hugely, hugely. And I think as a church, I think one, one last comment I'll make, and that is this. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, and don't forsake the assembly of the saints. And he says that has become a, a pattern. That's become a, a practice of some people. But he says this, and maintain this more as you see that day approaching, which mm -hmm. means that we should stay connected with each other even more the closer we see ourselves getting. Now, that has nothing to do with the mode and the model by which we do this, right. whether it's technological or whatever. Right. What is this? Don't get alienated. Yeah. The minute we get alienated from other believers, the minute we get alienated from people of faith, we become an easy target for discouragement and so forth. We have to stay connected to each other, and even more so as we see the coming of the Lord approaching. And in church, I just want to encourage you, you know, this, this is 
we're having to get real creative as far as what this means, right? So all of our kind of um, systems or strategies that we've had towards connecting with one another are kind of getting turned upside down. And, uh, but none of that negates the gathering together of the saints like dad saying. And so I would encourage you and, and the challenge would be this week, find time, carve out time to talk to one or two or three other people in the church. If that's a phone call, if that's a FaceTime, if that's a Marco Polo, um, some sort of thing where we are staying connected, it's going to be really, really, really easy to not. It's going to be really easy to isolate and just go through life. And the result of that is it's going to be a lot of uh, anxiety, fear, even depression, right? Because of this isolation. But for us to be able to say, okay, I'm going to be intentional with this. And I'm going to go after a couple people this week that I'm just going to, I'm going to do life with, even though it looks different, we cannot lose that. So be challenged in that this week, church, to use this opportunity to go after um, a few people this week that you can have a conversation with and all this. There's there's tons of technological um, tools that you can be able to use. So we have no shortage of that, but what we do need is just to be really intentional with it. So I love that challenge and I would just pass that on to everybody watching online right now. Um, just make sure that that, that that is what you walk away with that challenge this week. Dad, um, thank you. Thank you so, so, so much. This has been awesome. Um, great, great conversation. And uh, I hope everyone online has been really challenged by it and, and encouraged. And uh, uh, this week, what we're going to do is um, I'm going to be putting some resources together and discussion questions that you are going to have on the website that you can take this conversation further because that's the other part of this. It's one thing to watch and ingest, but it's another thing to digest. Right. And so we want to be able to actually process through that and figure out what's the takeaway? What season am I in? What is God doing in my life? How do I need to grow? What are the areas that I need to actually allow God to help me grow in to prepare me for that next season of life that I'm going to be in? So that's going to be on the website. And I'd encourage you again, find one, two, three other people and have that conversation with them this week and talk over some of this stuff that was brought up today in, in the message, right? And just use it as an opportunity to have conversations that way. So, um, yeah, so be encouraged. We love you guys. We're so thankful that we got to spend this time together. So thankful to my dad for being able to take the time with us uh, this morning to share. And uh, we love you guys. Stay connected on social media and connecting with one another. And uh, we will talk again and we'll see you next weekend. Stay posted about what that is going to look like because it's in flux all the time. <laughs> all right, church, have a wonderful day. God bless you. And we will see you guys soon. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.